0: Helen Sell and I, This is, you know, full disclosure here, <laughs> Helen and I have known each other for 17 years? At it, least. At yeah. least 17 years. And we met at the old Dubai Country Club. And our children were this big. And we would basically sit around the country club, drink iced tea. ignore the,
1: Ignore the kids.
0: Ignore the kids. <laughs> and talk about all of the different things that we were doing. Helen... Has gone through many different things in those 17 years and I think it's not there isn't a more fitting person to talk about this theme of restart and what it means to us in terms of how we deal with each other how we deal with our environments and more so without further ado Helen.
1: thank you James <clears throat> welcome morning, morning. so Restart. As James says, um, I've been in Dubai for about 18 years. Um, My background has been paved with many, many restarts, some of which I'll share with you today. But the key element, as I started to reflect, and certainly in terms of having this as a a topic to speak to, is what I've learned through that process. Um, Simple reality is, life isn't always actually that straightforward. The plans that we make often don't transpire in the way that we expect them to do. Uh, we end up taking different paths than we intended to. And that's absolutely been the case for me. Many different paths and many different restarts along the way. But there's a core theme and element that's come through all of those uh, restarts and, and where I've reached today. And the core element of that is really about empathy and connection and how we connect with ourselves and how we connect with other people. And my experience has been both positive and negative in that respect. So just as a starting point for you, what I'd like you to do is just reflect on where you would like to be 12 years from today. Think to yourself, 12 years from now, what would your hopes, aspirations, dreams for yourself be? Okay, some ideas in mind. Now think back twelve years. Think back twelve years and think whether being in Dubai today, not necessarily at Creative Mornings, but twelve years ago, the hopes and aspirations and dreams you had for yourself twelve years ago would have placed you here today. I see a few nods around the room. Anybody that says, yep, yeah, it was my plan? I'm exactly where I intended to be 12 years ago. No? So I think we start to recognise there are some challenges in what we plan for ourselves. Now, why have I selected 12 years? Why not five years from now? Why not 10 years from now? So, you know, for one, it's one of those horrible interview questions that you tend to be asked. But also, there's something significant in terms of 12 years. There was a UN report that was released on the 8th of October this year, published through the IPCC based on research and evidence from climate scientists around the world. And their prediction, quite frankly, doesn't look good. What they've essentially said is we've got 12 years to save the planet, this planet, from climate change catastrophe. Catastrophe is quite a big word. That's not a little bit of a problem. That's a big problem. What they've said is we have 12 years to ensure that we don't go above 1.5% in global warming. To ensure we don't do that, what they've also said is we need to reduce our human-produced CO2 emissions by 45%. Okay? Significant. Now, we look at that information and it kind of changes your plans of where you think think you might be in 12 years' time. It actually puts it into a little bit of a different context. If this is true, yeah, it's for you to decide and, and gain your evidence in terms of whether you think it's true, it changes what we might <coughs> want to do within the next 12 years. It certainly does to me. However one of the things that I've learned through my path, my journey to where I am today is that there is hope and there is possibility. And I think that hope and possibility is through the empathy and connection, human connections with each other and with ourselves that can potentially, hopefully bring about the change that we need. So if I reflect on where I am today, I've had 51 years of living on this planet, so I've got a few years of experience to bring to bear. And I reflect on some of the experiences that have caused restarts over the years. And I actually go back even to the age of eight. Eight years of age, and I was a bit of a curious kid as far as words were concerned. I loved words. Bearing in mind, this was pre-internet. There was a world pre-internet. I went through university pre-internet. So my love of words took me to dictionaries. And I would sit with dictionaries and just pour through and pick out words. So when, at eight years of age, in a written piece, I described a butterfly with wings that had a myriad of colors, I was accused of cheating. I was accused of using somebody else. Somebody else had told me this. I wasn't capable of doing this myself. That was the very first time, it's a memory, eight years of age, it's said that you often don't form memories until you're about seven, eight anyway. That stuck with me through life. And it's actually shaped a lot of the way that I respond to criticism, feedback. But it also continued. When I got to high school, continued my passion for language, and age 15, submitted an English paper, where again, I was accused of cheating. I couldn't possibly have submitted the paper that I did. So what I started to realise was that not only was I projecting what I thought I wanted to be, but people were assessing and judging the way that they saw that I should be. And that started to take shape, and it's something, to be fair, has kind of stuck with me for a long time. My love of words and language did continue, despite the fact I wasn't getting any positive reinforcement for it. But it continued, and I started a degree in communication studies. And my hope and ambition was that I would be a journalist. In fact, more. The journalist, I wanted to be a newscaster. I wanted to be the one reading the news on the TV each and every day. There was a small problem. I come from the UK in a small town in the southwest of England, a place called Bristol. <laughs> Within the UK we've got a lot of regional accents and back then regional accents weren't particularly encouraged. The Bristolian accent is somewhat challenging because it's a little bit of a mix between a pirate and a farmer, okay? So to give you a little taster of this, um, one of the expressions might be, are my lovely, how are you doing all right now as an accent goes when you're mixed in your environment and other people are speaking in the same way it's not a bad thing who my lovely means how are you doing my lover all right the problem is when I moved to university 300 miles away my accent was actually laughed at so here was I Busily recording audio tapes to send to radio stations and TV stations with the hope of being a journalist, learning all those skills, audio recording, video presentation, etc., etc. Not a single word that I spoke was listened to because people were too busy laughing. I also had an elderly uncle whose words of advice to me were if I wanted to get on in the world, I needed to lose the accent. So I did. I actively spent the next few months coaching myself to lose the accent and left the university pretty much accent-free. Apparently, when I'm back in the UK now, it does pick up, depending on where I am in the UK, okay? But again, it started to shape me, and again, this feeling of how I was being judged by other people and how that was me interpreting it and me changing as a result of what other people saw left university and started a marketing degree. I ditched the journalism idea by that point. And marketing has been pretty much what I've done from then till now, with various iterations in the process. I came to Dubai in 2000, which was pretty much when I met James. Um, Our kids were kind of this small. Our kids are now all either left university or still in the process. Okay, so a long time back. Dubai Marina was just being marked out. There was no water in Dubai Marina. And before you ask the question, yes, I've seen some changes. So here are my 2000s. Um, i would actually decided to stop work for a couple of years. Uh, kids were two, four, and six years old. And one of the choices is to come to Dubai for my restart in Dubai was to spend time with them, which I did for two years. Didn't work for two years, although the nature of the person I am means that I can not do anything. So I was involved in various other committees, etc. And things progressed reasonably well. I actually took some alternative paths. Instead of going back into marketing, I was offered an opportunity to set up a regional training and development centre for the Foreign and Commonwealth Office from the UK. And at that point, we set up nine training centers around the world. Dubai was the first training office here. So I took a path into training and development. That example would come back and I would start to use that again in later experiences. In 2010, another reasonably significant event happened that caused a fairly significant restart in my life. Um, most of you would probably be affected by it, whether you are in Dubai or not. And that was the global economic crisis. Within the space of one month, both my husband and I were made redundant from Nikhil, the largest master developer in Dubai. And we found ourselves with three kids in high school, an annual school fee of 180,000 dirhams, rent on a property, with no income coming in. So we did what any normal, sane individuals would do. And we went sailing for six
2: months.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We sailed to Maldives and Sri Lanka and Chagos Islands. We took two of the kids with us. The oldest one decided to bail out and do something sane and go and live with grandparents for a while. And we self-sustained. We made things. We cooked our own bread. We made yogurt. In Chagos Islands, it's a fairly unique history. It's completely uninhabited. Um, we are probably in the, the tens of people that will get an opportunity to go there in lifetime. It's a little bit of a sordid history from the British and the US. I won't go into the details, but I'll let you investigate. Um, but it's basically now un- uninhabited. And while we we're there, we lived off the land. We'd go and harvest coconuts. We'd go swimming, we'd catch fish, we'd do things that we hadn't done, kind of reconnect ourselves. Coming back to Dubai, you know, global economic crisis, six months, long enough for it to blow over, surely. I came back to a market that was dead. Jobs were non-existent. Not only were they non-existent in Dubai, they were pretty much non-existent in most places around the world at that stage. And I had a phone call out of the blue from a customer experience consultancy in the UK. And they said, "Uh, we've just won a project in Kuwait. We weren't expecting to win the project in Kuwait and we don't have anybody to resource it. Are you available? I think I might be. I'll check my diary, but I should be good. That was my launching point into formal customer experience work. And though I'd been involved from a marketing path for many, many years, this was my first opportunity to start working with other businesses using their methodologies. And I worked with a number of UK and US consultancies applying the principles that they used. I worked in Kuwait flying back and forth from Dubai for um, nearly a year. That was followed up by a similar project in Qatar, where I flew back and forth every week for 18 months. And I started to learn more in depth customer experience methodologies. Good stuff, great learning ground. But there was a problem. And the problem was that each and every time I went through this process, coming out the other side with 12 months or 18 months worth of work with this customer experience transformation vision in mind, I just didn't feel that the value was truly being added to what I was doing. And it wasn't the quality of the work, it was how it was connecting to the organizations I was providing the work for. One of the big challenges with customer experience, with any experience, is how you create connections. And what I realize is, it's the connections you make within organizations, but the connections also that organizations make with their customers. So with this growing sense of frustration, I started to look at some of the different options. What could I do? What what could I bring into my customer experience playground that I could test out and see if there was another way that I could truly add some value? I chose to attend a design thinking course in Amsterdam and attended many courses beyond that around design thinking and human-centered design. And it felt like there was something there. There was a possibility there. One of the fundamental principles of design thinking, human-centered design, exactly as it says, it's human-centered. It's about understanding the people for whom you're building experiences for. And it's about seeing things from their perspective, not seeing it from your perspective or the business or organization perspective. So I started to play an experiment. I wasn't sure how it would work in this region. This was 2014. Design thinking, um, when we ran events back then, we'd be lucky to get four people in the room because nobody knew what it was. It's a completely different scene and scenario now. So I started to apply the principles of design thinking. And what I started to see was a transformation in the way that I was working with organizations and a transformation in terms of the way that the organizations, and more importantly, the people in it were connecting with me. Through the process and the tools that I use now, first and foremost, some of the key aspects is about co-creation and collaboration. So I actually now see myself as a facilitator. I don't label myself, and I hate the label of consultant, and I think consultant is completely misplaced. I don't believe you can consult to a business. I believe you can empower and facilitate growth within the business. And that's what I do. So, what I do is teach the tools that will enable them to develop their customer experience, connecting with their customers. And some of the tools that I use empathy mapping. So, we actually sit down and say, who are the customers that we're building this experience for? And more importantly, not just who are they in general terms. But let's give them a name. Let's give them a personality. Let's actually start to personalise customer into Joe or Mary or Ahmed or Mohammed. Let's understand who they are. I also use tools. Customer journey mapping will then lead into service blueprints to help align the organisation to deliver the experience that they intend to in the way that it should be aligned and delivered. And the design thinking part of it is as we develop experiences, we build out through a very playful doing, not talking way, creation of ideas that are presented through prototypes that we can test and iterate and develop with customers in mind. All good stuff. That's what I do. That's still what I do. Now, (laughs) start of this year, doing all this great stuff, I'd actually taken a long-term contract with one of my clients. We'd started on this journey. They liked the work and they asked me to join them full time. I thought this is a great opportunity for a restart. I can see my path to a couple of years left in Dubai. Secure income. One of the challenges of working for yourself is that cash flow is a bit of a pain. So things had been good. However, the long-term contract of three years then became a long-term contract of 18 months. Unexpectedly, which finished in January this year. I'd actually somewhat 4 given my business, which was previously called Customer at Heart, to somebody I knew, not particularly well, but I passed everything across, lock, stock and barrel, take the brand in. I'd even given the clients because my responsibility was to the, my clients and she would apply the same principles of the work that I did. So I found myself looking again, thinking about what do I do next? Where do I go from here? And one of the things I was desperate to do was to not go back. So how do I move forward? So first thing I did was set up a game, CX Arena, which is the business name under which I operate. And I started to rebuild my client base, which has, is good, a lot of work, doing well. But there was something, there was something missing i turned 50 in March the previous year, so it's my first year of being 50. I think I was well beyond the midlife crisis, I was beyond midlife crisis, but there, there was something deeper than that. There was something, I was desperately, desperately trying to find my purpose in life. And I remember endlessly going round and round and round with this desperate need to connect with what my purpose was and I nearly drove myself insane, because I couldn't work out what it was. And in the process of not being able to work out what it was, I then started to reflect on my past and started to devalue that and consider I'd failed. Everything I'd done, everything I'd built, actually amounted pretty much for nothing. It was not a good time. Around that time, it just so happened, I decided I need to get myself out of a bit of a rut, and actually that was the time that I started reconnecting through Creative Mornings. I came along to Creative Mornings, and I think it was the second session I came to, where I met Mo and uh, Deb Madeleine, who unfortunately is no longer in Dubai, but is still very much part of the Dubai network, and Deb ran a session called Pioneers. And in that session, she took us through the principles of applying creative thinking process on yourself. Now, creative thinking and the tools applying to creative thinking are what I do with businesses every day. I had not once stopped to think how that applied to myself, which was a bit of a, of a, a mind blower at the time. During that session, she asked us to note down a number of things that we cared about, we had a passion for and we'd like to be able to do more more of in our lives. And of the various things that I wrote, the one thing that stood out was around sustainability. Sustainability has been important to me most of my life in an on and off way, kind of the recycling, the doing right thing, but not in a significant way. However, about four years ago, it started to become more so. A friend of mine had suggested that I watch a documentary on Netflix, Transpiracy. And that was the starting point when I really started to understand the connection of me and what I do and the way that I live my life and the effect that it has on the planet. And I'd started to make changes to my own life. So... Um, I no longer eat meat. I live a very minimalist life. Um, I try and avoid fast fashion. I try and avoid plastic. I'm trying to get towards zero waste, as close as possible. So I'm applying all these principles. And again, there was this kind of itch that I couldn't scratch. There was something there. And in this session with Deb, it was one of the things that I highlighted. What she'd also asked us to reflect on was what was stopping us. What was stopping us from taking that thing that was important and moving it forward? And once I started to reflect on that, I realized probably the only thing that was stopping me was myself. Now, coming out of that, I spent a couple of months trying to work out, okay, I've, I've got my thing. That's kind of where I see myself and I kind of, that's, that's what would deliver value to me and deliver value to other people, and deliver value to the the, the planet, I still didn't know what to do with it. I'd had talks about maybe we set up a website, and it tells people where sustainable products and solutions are available. Through that process and around that time, connecting with a lot of people, so the creative bunch that a number of us are members of, what I started to do probably truly and properly for the first time in my life was truly open myself up to opportunity that presents itself through collaboration. To connect with people, to share my ideas, and to engage with them, to start to understand how they could help me and, and I could help them. And I'm not quite sure why it took me so long to reach that point. Part of it is surrounding yourself with people who allow you to be yourself, but also part of it is about being honest with yourself and opening yourself up to that and being empathetic, not just to others, but actually applying self-empathy to who you are. Since that point, I went back to the UK for about a month and still have this kind of germ of an idea Bubbling away? What do we do? How do we move this forward? And what I saw in the UK was actually a change in consumer behavior, which was far more significant than it was in Dubai, UAE. And as an example, my favorite example, if I go into Starbucks or any um, high street coffee shop in the UK, I will be incentivized to use my reusable cup, I'll be given a dis- discount for my coffee, etc. If I go into a Starbucks or any high street coffee shop in Dubai, I'll be surrounded by people inside the shop who are using their single-use cups. There is a massive disconnection. And that sowed an idea in terms of trying to understand why. What is it that's happening here that is different to happening elsewhere? And more importantly, what can we... And what can I do about it? And out of that was born Conscious Consumer UAE. I'm collaborating with a sustainability advisory company called Sustainability Advisory. And we set up uh, essentially the first of its kind research program in not only Dubai, not only UAE, but in the GCC to undertake... Uh, insights, studies, to understand more about consumer behaviour, particularly where it relates to sustainability. So what is it that in terms of our mindset, our choices, and how it plays out into our behaviour, can we learn in this region that we can then use as a means to then connect with governments and with businesses in order to be a catalyst for change? That programme launched officially back in June of this year, We use a a variety of different research processes, one of which uh, we're running at the moment, which are Discovery Cafes, which is qualitative research, which will lead into a full UAE-wide survey, online survey, which will take place in uh, first quarter next year. And what that process has done, where we... I chose the approach, again, using human-centered design around Discovery Cafes. So if any of you are familiar with Knowledge Cafes, they're discussion-based research insight generating methodology. Again, empathy and connection, getting a conversation going as as opposed to a, a traditional research methodology which considers participants as subjects. This approach is different. This approach is saying how do we connect with people in a way that we can actually truly understand not only what they're thinking but what they're doing. So we've run now five discovery cafes uh, in Dubai. We have two more running today. So as I leave here, I'm driving straight to Russell Kema for the first in Russell Kima. Um, our next Discovery Cafes will be across the other Emirates as well. And in the meantime, we've started a conversation uh, within uh, governments in order, hopefully, potentially, to turn this into a movement which has their support and endorsement. And will in turn help us then to engage with businesses to use that insight in order to bring about change. So the dark and gloomy slide at the beginning. Yeah, there is hope. There is possibility. And I believe we all have the power within ourselves to do something that makes a difference. And the basic principles for me are to do better and to think better about ourselves. One of the analogies that comes to mind, um, we used to keep, at one point in time, uh, a snake. And snakes shed their skin. And that's the way I'm starting to see us, humans. Every few months, every year, we need to shed the skin because that enables us to grow. Every now and again, when snakes shed their skin, Often, some of that skin is left on their eyes for a little time. They're a little bit blinkered. And that's where I was back in January. I'd shed the skin, but I was still a little bit blinkered. I just needed to wait for that skin to clear so I could see more clearly and then use that as the hope and aspiration to move forward. To finish up, one of the things that I'm doing in terms of my personal growth and my continued restart, because there are more plans um, on the horizon which I'll be happy to share with you um, for restarts and regrowth for myself as I move forward. One of them relates to my Instagram, which is fairly new, which is also as a response um, to support, collaboration and encouragement from the uh, Creative Bunch people. Um, Ripening Nicely is where I share things that I'm doing in order to forward not only my personal growth, but also my ability to live more kindly and to affect the globe, the planet in a more positive way. So I would love if you would connect to me through there. And from a business perspective... I'm still doing the customer experience work, I'm still working with empathy, I'm still developing relationships with businesses and helping them grow also. So both on a personal and professional level, that's my story of restart. Thank you.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, any, does anyone have any questions, comments, queries, something you wanna ask Helen while she's standing up front that something comes to mind?
2: And
1: you've gone through Was there anything that you kept going back to as sort of your first ache to, to help bring back some of your, you know, to bring back yourself? Uh, you, I imagine you were feeling a bit out of your situation. Was there yeah. anything that you kept going back to, like, you know, a person or a book or something that you thought would really on Honestly, and I, I can't say this enough, but um, the Creative bunch and the individuals through the creative bunch. I'll say, been my my savior in many respects, because it wasn't. It was like I said, that that point of when I was struggling to find my purpose in life. If if I googled purpose in life, I'd find all these stories about people who kind of nailed it and they were off, and and it was just you just had to work it out. Yeah, work it out. Get on with it. It's it's simple. It's not simple. It's not simple at all, and particularly when you're filled with self doubt and when you're at the point when it's, it, it's not an internal process anymore. And I, and I think, you know, I guess that's your question in terms of where, where you seek. My seeking of help was through connecting with other people, yeah, and, and drawing on the energy that I got from them. And, you know, there's that saying that what you give out comes back. Since then... My whole, my energy, my purpose in myself is, is just expanded tenfold. And, and, you know, some of it I can't explain. Um, I can't explain other than it really is, is built on actually being kind to myself. I am my biggest critic. Yeah? I re- <laughs> it doesn't matter what I do, how well I've done it, I will find fault. And, you know, when I talk about those experiences when I was a child, you know, I don't want to kind of go deep psychoanalytical on this, but honestly, I think a lot of that was played out from then. This, this questioning of who I was, this not accepting me for who I was, this, this saying I, I couldn't be that person because they didn't believe that that was the person I was, and not getting that help and support. And if it's, if it's taking me that time to get to where I am now, actually... That's good, and, and what I wrote here, actually, um, in terms of restart, is relax and enjoy the ride. Yeah, don't sweat it. Relax and enjoy the ride, and put great people around you. Thank you. Yes. Hi,
2: thanks for your talk. I'm interested in the um, the knowledge cafe that you spoke about. Is that something that people can get involved in?
1: Absolutely. So, we are running under uh, Instagram, um, Twitter, and Facebook as Conscious Consumer UAE. Um, those Discovery Cafes are open to anybody that wishes to come along and join us. We ran one last night at Rove Hotel in City Centre, and uh, I I just get so much out of the sessions. Um the way they run, we have four tables with a topic on each table. The topics are interrelated, but it's discussion-based. The tables are covered with paper, so we, we write all the notes on the paper. And as people talk, it's a conversation. Yeah? As you talk and share ideas um, around what you do, what your behaviours are, what you do that is sustainable. Uh, one of the topics is on the barriers. What's stopping you? There's another question on uh, business. What do we need businesses to be more, doing more of? And likewise, government. What should government be doing more of to help us? But uh, if you follow us on any of the social media, we've got events running continually. We've just actually had support from Tom and Serge, who have offered us uh, use of their venue on a morning, so between 9 and 11, so that will be from the 25th of November. We'll run a couple of sessions there as well, but we welcome anybody to come along. Okay?
0: Cool. Any more questions? Well we have a quick little ronda please.
2: Hi. Uh, one thing, I love the uh, the analogy of the uh, skin shedding. I, mean, I do uh, sh- shed my skin every, uh, every now and then. Uh, in terms of going into projects and also in terms of size-wise. Because <laughs> so, it works. So um, this is something that uh, imagine as a subscription box, it's made for people who are working within the system, but they really want silently to rebel, right? So it gives you a little bit incentive to, grow your mind so thank you perfect. you're the perfect person to have <laughs> it and, and I make sure the box is sustainable <laughs> I, have, I have a gift for uh, two members of the audience so one of the items is, is like four to six items and one of the items is a 2009 uh, desk uh, calendar and I semi-randomly picked two people why i'll tell you why because random is like i just looked at all the people who are attending okay so and then i picked the ones that number one most attended for example or the ones that have their profile at least with some information so yeah so there is one delphine you were like attending like more than what I attended, but, but, but <laughs> however, however, half of you. But uh, the thing is, I don't sign in every time, so a <laughs> so there is one for you. So thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, Ritika I saw Ritika I don't know Ritika but I saw your name. You at least half a year you've been attending for six months, and then you do have a profile with some information and links. So I did check your links. So.
0: <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Um, before, first of all, Helen's going to hang around a little bit. So, if you want to have a, a chat with Helen, excellent. We're back on December twelfth, and the theme is tradition. So, it's, uh, it's going to be fantastic. Send out more information on speaker you know, and all uh, that. It's going to be great. But before we we let you go. Tribal Scale, Jane is here with, uh, is your comment with her?
2: Yeah.
0: From Toronto. We want to to encourage getting you guys up, sort of a little bit of a pitch, a little bit of a chat, a few minutes. Uh, We'd like to feature this at every one of our events. So, Jane. I won't take up too
2: much of your time. Thank you uh, for letting me take the stage. Um, I was so excited to see that Creative Mornings in Dubai was this week when I actually was here in Dubai. Um, I I belong to a company uh, called Tribal Scale. Uh, My colleague, the regional manager uh, of Matthews is here as well. Um, We are in the D3 district will seem to be, right, we're about to move in. Um, and we are a company, a global company of uh, 230 people. We're a global innovation company. Uh, we solve uh, problems for our customers and help uh,